Welcome to the Blue Sky Education Thinking Podcast with your hosts, Stephanie Mullins, Matt Simmons, and me, Kerry Ruffle. So equality and diversity has always been an important topic for business schools and around the world in every aspect. It's never going to stop being important, but it's definitely come to the forefront in the past few months with the Black Lives Matter movement. And more people are talking about it, there's more in the media about it, and business schools really should be taking note of this too. Matt, I know you had some thoughts on this. Yes, of course, a lot of um, efforts from business schools, uh, perhaps in the last two decades, have focused on uh, gender balance. You know, if if we look at uh, the MBA classroom 10, 15 years ago, you know, we would typically see perhaps 25, 28% women uh, in uh, those MBA classes. Uh, And, you know, for the second year at Stanford GSB, has brought in a class with 47% women and uh, those levels well above 40% are true for many of the top US business schools. Uh, Europe still is playing catch up in this space, partly because of uh, an international applicant pool that tends to be more male dominated, but even moving beyond the MBA, um, it's uh, some of the pre-experience masters, the masters in management, where many schools are achieving uh, gender parity in the classroom, and this matters, of course, because you know business schools are the pipeline for the future representation and balance across industries and sectors and C-suites. So if financial services, technology uh, are to ever achieve any um, stronger gender uh, balance, um, then business schools are going to be a big part. But, but there's still so much more to do uh, beyond uh, gender. Uh, and as you look uh, at uh, LGBTQ+, plus, uh, as you look at underrepresented minorities, you know, at the student level and the efforts that business schools have to make to ensure that they have those voices and that representation. And I think the confidence for those groups to really find their place in these very dynamic and thriving Uh, business school communities. It extends to the staff uh, and certainly extends to faculty. Uh, Harvard Business School is not alone in having a chronic under-representation of black faculty and of course with their case method uh, it has been shown that very very few of the protagonists of those uh, C-suite leaders that feature in their case methods were, were black CEOs uh, and this I think is uh, you know certainly an area where uh, it's action and not words. We've seen, as you mentioned, Steph, with Black Lives Matter, a lot of statements that schools have made. And and it really is broad. You know, uh, we talk about equality, diversity, inclusion, and how business schools, I think, can really take a lead in this area, um, and how that will subsequently be reflected in business and in society. So in this edition, we'll look to speak to some key people at business schools and our own team about how to work with the topics of equality and diversity responsibly in the media and how to share what business schools are doing with a wider audience. Um, Steph, who are we going to be hearing from in this edition? So we have our very own Kyle Grizel later on in the episode, but we'll kick off with Sunitha Narendran and she's director of Roehampton Business School and has some really interesting insights on this topic. Now, from previous conversations, Sunitha, we've been talking about how 70% of students at Roehampton Business School actually come from an ethnic minority background. So this is a topic that's, that's close to your heart, isn't it? 
Yes, it is very close to my heart because I think um, not just because I'm the director of the business school where we have a large proportion, as you mentioned, 70% of our students are from Black and ethnic minority backgrounds. I don't like the word BAME, so I'm going to say they're from ethnic minority backgrounds, of which 30% of our students come from Asian, South Asian background, and about 25% of our students are Black. Um, and then, of course, the rest are from Asian backgrounds and others. And, and I think one of the things that is very important to me uh, is that we need to give opportunities to uh, everyone and we need to address the um, equality gap that exists today. Um, I don't want to call it attainment gap. It's not really an attainment gap, but it is, it's more to do with what support we can put in order to not have a, a, to even engage in a conversation that's called the attainment gap. So I would like to look at equality and diversity more from an inclusivity perspective, you know, how inclusive our curriculum is, how inclusive our society is. And in Roehampton, um, we talk about the community. So Roehampton is a learning community and the business school is a community of uh, learning. And the, one of the um, mission, the mission of our, the business school would be a business school with a social conscience. So inclusivity, equality, you know, uh, these are all very important from the perspective of being a um, business school with a social conscience. And a lot of the research that we do in the business school is also related to inclusivity, to ethics, uh, corporate social responsibility, social responsibility, and public good. Fantastic. That's such a nice phrase, business school with a social conscience. That sums it up perfectly and, and I know you've said to me before that you care about every single student and you want them all to do well regardless of their background and, and where they've come from. Every student deserves that chance to succeed. That's right. I think every student, and you're right, Stephanie, I think every student, you know, when they, when they join a university, they're making a big step in their lives uh, and they're also allowing us to feature forever on their CV. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I always tell my students that uh, when they come in for induction, I say, you've made a big decision because now from now on, Roehampton University will feature on your CV. Every job interview you go to, Roehampton University will feature it. So, um, so I think it's, a, it's we, have, we play an important role and we will always be there with them. And I always, th I always think that education is, a, is, a, is something that you never stop. Uh, you never stop learning, do you? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think once they come to Roehampton University and Roehampton Business School, I'd like for them to be uh, always engaged with us and come back to us as alumni and continue their education with us as long as they need to and as long as they want to. Wonderful. And I think you're preparing to get students back on campus. Uh, that's right, isn't it? Yes, we are. Yes. Awesome. And we're very excited about it as well. Yes. And a bit nervous because you know <laughs> the operational status keeps changing um yes day before yesterday we were uh, uh, we we follow the same guideline as the as the uh, as the government guidelines and then at the moment the university is an operational status three which means 
we, you know, we were preparing to have uh, a COVID secure campus where students can come back to uh, learning in classrooms if they want to. And I use the word if they want to, because I'll just elaborate on that. With socially distanced uh, rules in place, one-way systems, um, classrooms that have got fewer students, um, two meter distance, perspex screens from which the staff will be to, uh, speaking and uh, teaching and all of that. So, but now we've changed, isn't it? This morning looks like we, we might have to sort of be a bit more careful when uh, our students are working with us campus. I think there's an element of flexibility now depending on the state of play in terms of the pandemic and what the government guidelines are but you're looking into all of these preparations that that are going to make the students lives safe and, and easy as possible. Yes, and in, in, in the university, we've created what are called residential bubbles. So students who are living in a particular residence, so sometimes they share a, a, a space with four other students and then they would be a residential bubble. But for the business school, we, 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 are, slight, we, we are different from the rest of Roehampton in one way that because most of our students, 76 of our students live off campus. So although we have accommodation in Roehampton and in the other uh, faculties and schools and departments, uh, they live on campus. A lot of the students live on campus. Our students, 76% of them are going to be commuting into campus. So we have a different approach that we need to take a different approach to make sure they are safe. And then also, if you look at them, most of our students are 40% of our students are between ages of 21 to 24, which means they are also juggling work. We've, we have almost no student who's under 21. So the typical 18-year-old going to university, that's not the profile of the students in Roehampton Business School. Uh, Roehampton Business School students, I think the youngest would be about 21. So they are slightly older and they're also working. So how we uh, sort of address their needs in order to be safe in, in, the, uh, in the face of pandemic is quite different. Mm, absolutely. And you mentioned that students could come back if they wanted to. Could you tell us yes. a little bit more about that? Yes. So we, in the business school, we thought about how, how do we make things work for them, you know, um, and for our staff. So two things we did. We, we did a demographic risk profiling of all of our staff members. So no one is forced to come back to teach. You know, and um, I have uh, spoken to every single one of them who has a risk profile that I need to be careful about. So mm -hmm. one, staff are not. So how do we manage the teaching then? So we have a combination of online and face-to-face -face teaching. I just like to say some of my staff are desperate to come back. You know, <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> they've had enough. <laughs> they want to come back to their offices. <laughs> so, um, so uh, it's not that all staff are not wanting to come back. There are some who can't come back uh, for obvious reasons, but some are very de desperate to come back. And I've had to tell some of them, no, you can't actually, because I don't think it's safe for you to come back. Uh -huh. We'll have to see whether, you know, you're well enough uh, and you're, you know, we take into account all those demographic yeah. factors that you have. So you might have an, have an underlying problem. So we need to kind of see how we can help you. But by and large, all the staff who, who can come back or who want to come back can come back. 
Now the students, we thought if we're going to do this for our staff, we have to do this for our students. But we obviously can't do a demographic profiling of our students because of obvious reasons. But what we can do is we can ask them. So we did the unprecedented step of writing to every single student and asking them whether they would like to come back and have face-to-face -face sessions or whether we would like they would like us to mirror whatever we are teaching through synchronous online learning wow. and um, we have uh, at the moment um, we're not a very big business school so we have about 1300 students in the business school on campus and we have a number of students in our collaborative partnerships and they're following the same um, guidance there so we wrote to our students and we asked them whether they would they would like to come back to campus and have an on-campus experience. Mm -hmm. We also, you know, we, bef before we wrote to them, we invited them to a web uh, webinar, and then we invited them to an online meeting. After that, uh, in the webinar, uh, my director of uh, deputy director of education and the head of learning and teaching, they made a presentation as to all of what we've done for them in terms of so that they can feel reassured that they're going to be safe uh, we showed them we talked about the one-way systems we talked about the uh, the, the social distance car, uh, spaces in, in the classrooms and uh, hand sanitizers and all of the arrangements the deep cleaning and and so on and um, and then after that we wrote to them as i said and ask them whether they would like to come into campus or whether they would like a complete online experience, which mm. will be which will be asynchronous lectures and synchronous teaching. And we had 40% of our students come back to us to say that they don't they would prefer to be learning online. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so what we will do is now we, we, we will allow them, but we also have given them the choice of uh, coming back anytime so not if they tick the box saying they want to learn online and then they change their mind mm -hmm. we've also given them the option to come back um, but they just need to email us so that we can make arrangements for them to come back. so that's what we've done and i thought that is very important because mm -hmm. when you have a, a student demographic of between 21 and 24 some of them are even older i think they should be given the choice um, mm. uh, and they should be given the opportunity to tell us how they want to learn and uh, and we need to respond to that definitely i love how as a business school you've treated every single person as an individual and allowed that sense of, of personality that openness and that flexibility as well to, to change their minds that's that's really wonderful Thank you. Um, I, I, we, don't, we don't consider our students as some, you know, we, we don't have status hierarchies in the business school, you know. Um, mm -hmm. We learn from them as much they, as they learn from us because they bring so much, so many experiences from work uh, that they can share with us. So all our classes tend to be, we work as a community, as I said, and where we learn from each other. So we all are, are in, students sit on all our committees, Student, uh, students have a voice and we make decisions uh, not for them, but we make decisions along with them. So they contribute to uh, how they want to learn uh, and um, they don't necessarily contribute to what they have to learn because we sort of ask their permission to tell them what they need to know. Yeah. But then, uh, but there may be a few other things, but we also ask them, we have flipped classrooms. So we ask them, you know, this is the topic, what would you like us to sort of learn? And so, um, so it's a very um, interactive learning experience that is very community focused 
and uh, shared understanding of things. Definitely, and responsive to the needs and, and the desires of the actual people that, that are learning, which is wonderful. And thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. You're very welcome, Stephanie. And thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to share how we work in the Roehampton Business School. Thank you it's very much. pleasure. Thank you very much. What strikes me about our conversation with Sunitha is how every voice at Roehampton has been heard. It's a great example of equality. And in fact, equality and diversity should be considered at this level with business schools. And we see this a lot in our communications efforts. Business schools must be seen to be fair and just. Steph spoke with Kyle Grizel, a PR consultant here at Blue Sky, about why it's so important and the work he's been doing with schools in this area. Here's what he had to tell us. Kyle, don't you think this is such an important issue right now? Yeah, it definitely is. And I think diversity is such a, it's a diverse area. You've got different areas of diversity, have sexuality, nationality, race, gender. Um, and there's just all these important areas that businesses and schools should be looking at. I totally agree. And I don't think we can overlook the different aspects of diversity. And I think a lot of institutions are very good at recognising these, these different important bits to it. Um, and you help institutions secure coverage and, and media visibility on these important topics. Would you talk us through a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, because diversity is such an important area, it is important for schools to let the media know that they, they are focusing on this and that their students and their graduates are thinking this is an important area to work in. And one example is with BI Norwegian Business School. They had a graduate who his entire life um, saw diversity being misunderstood and underappreciated. So he went on to study at BI Norwegian Business School, he got his degree and he started two businesses that focus on improving diversity, on um, helping, helping businesses with diverse workforces and um, diverse um, founders to help them begin these businesses and, and become success, successful. And another one of his business, businesses also helps diverse people um, form networks and, and, and come together to prove that these different people have all these different ideas, diverse ways of thinking, because that's what diversity is. It's about these different types of people, different in a million different ways that you can think of, just figuring out different ways of doing things. Awesome. Yeah. This sounds amazing. And what, yes. <laughs> what great visibility for, for BI to have someone like that as one of their alumni. And it really showcases the school at helping people like that to succeed. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's not just um, student and alumni stories, though, is it, that you help business schools talk about in terms of the area of equality and diversity, is it? No, so um, a lot of schools have uh, faculty who, who know that diversity is important and research different areas where it, it can be seen to be a real asset. Um, and one professor from uh, London School of Economics Department of Management, uh, Dr Karen King, she, we helped her um, in writing a piece for a publication called Diversity Q, which obviously from the name focuses on diversity in the workplace. And her piece talked about her view that, and this is especially relevant now with the pandemic, that it will be companies that have this incredibly diverse workforce that mm -hmm. will survive the pandemic better than those 
that don't have this diversity because as I said before a diversity of people is a diversity of thinking mm-hmm. so you have all these different people that might be able to come up with a way of getting through a crisis or solving a problem that you wouldn't have if you had a workforce of people that were all completely the same with mm. if they're all from the same walks of life the same gender the same nationality they mm. would all think in the same way definitely and that's such a good example of a piece of research that really has an impact and makes a difference and people should be reading in order to learn those lessons and implement them in the real world. I mean, so often we hear that business schools and universities, their research just goes into journals and then they're read by barely any people because they're often closed, they're not open access and Mm. and people don't think to go and look for them to access them. They need people like us to help them get this news out there. And, And I'm loving that you gave a student example and a faculty example, but institutions themselves do a lot too in this area don't they yeah so um yeah you've got the student who knows diversity is important you've got the professor but you also want to see that the the institution itself is doing things to to show the people out there that this is something they care about um and an example of this is um imperial college business school they joined romba which is uh reaching out mba um, and this is an, an organisation that um, helps schools host events on campus to build the awareness of LGBTQ issues in the workplace. And one of the ways they also help is that uh, members of this organisation can have the capacity to offer a scholarship to an MBA student who has demonstrated um, leadership in championing LGBT representation within business education. So as well as showing that they're part of this group and they, by being part of this group, they care about the issues, they also help somebody out there who has been doing practical work in this area um, of improving the diversity of LGBTQ representation in business education. They, They get this scholarship and they can carry on doing that work which shows they are, they are pulling people up to the top wherever they can. Love that, helping people succeed at the end of the day and, and that's what we want to see. And, and yeah. thank you so much for sharing those examples because I don't think it can be underestimated how much we still need to talk about diversity and equality and really make movements and, and progress in this area across all fields. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So those were some wonderful examples from Kyle and I think it's really important to talk about examples like these because what I've definitely seen across the industry is that many schools are almost afraid to talk about topics in areas of gender and in areas of diversity and equality because they feel like if they focus on one aspect of diversity they'll be criticised for not focusing on other areas but I really think that it's a step-by-step process. And we need to talk about the changes that schools are making so that we can inspire others and other schools will look at these examples and implement them in their own institutions. And it's not a click your fingers and the world will be fixed. It really is making these differences as much as schools can and as much as we can. I think uh, you make a great point and uh, often it it sort of comes up uh, around the area of um, a sense of imposter syndrome. Uh, and, and students who are already, you know, fitting into classrooms, you know, surrounded by lots of other very bright, talented, uh, ambitious uh, classmates and thinking, you know, where, where is a place for me? 
Um, and I think if um, if schools uh, put their heads in the sand or say, well, you know, the danger is this is a fraught area. If, if we're talking on one subject, will we then be sort of exposed and shown to be uh, not engaging in other areas? It does set the bar very high for business schools, but I think um, it's it's a bar that they're able to reach. And you know, the subsequent messaging, the idea of role models, the idea of mentors, uh, but certainly the idea of this very inclusive and diverse classroom environment, so that an individual doesn't feel that they are the odd one out. I love the fact that uh, uh, the, the dean at um, in Siad, uh, Ilian Mihoff, says, you know, at this school, we want everybody to be a minority. And when it's phrased in that way, that it's very positive, there are no dominant voices. And I think, you know, there is the opportunity for business schools to really take the lead and provide that sort of inclusive environment for individuals you know, across the spectrum. Yeah, I think going back to what Steph says, it's not about having all the answers immediately. This is something that is going to progress and roll and continue throughout the years. But instead, it's about a business school showing that they're willing to have the right discussions, that they are recognising what the challenges are, what the demand is from society and what they are hoping to then reflect in their own schools whether it's through programs through their faculty through the students they're welcoming through the doors this isn't something that's going to get fixed overnight but i think business schools need to be willing to have a bit of humility and say that they are aware of issues that are happening that they're ready to tackle them they might not be able to do everything immediately but they're at least taking steps in the right direction and I think a business school that can stand up and say that and be honest, I think will have a lot more weight, not just with media, but also with applicants who can take them at face value and be reassured that the institution they're looking to apply to has the right priorities at heart. And of course, with the multiple levels of media engagement uh, that business schools have the opportunity to pursue, uh, you know, even their own on-campus and internal events, ensuring that they have diversity uh, on the um, roundtables and, and speakers that they uh, include. Uh, but working with the media and ensuring that uh, student and alumni stories that they always look to uh, capture because th this is what people pick up on it's ah you know somebody like me or I, I, I can identify myself with that voice so it does uh, you know require the communications team to be very alert and I think proactively pursue and ensure that the voices and the opportunities that they look for you know really um, reach out and capture all of the voices uh, in their diverse campus and community. Boss on Matt and I think this episode of our podcast should stand and encourage schools to not only implement these, these diverse initiatives but to start talking about them and I think that is a wonderful end to our podcast on equality and diversity. Tune in to our other episodes later on in this, this season when we're talking to deans about the future of business education. This has been the Blue Sky Education Thinking Podcast. Thanks for listening. For more information and resources, please visit our website, www.bluesky-pr.com.